afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, your comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. I'm April Richardson. And today in the studio, we have a very special guest. He is the co-author of a really cool book that just came out called Mad World, an oral history of new wave artists and songs that define the 1980s. Uh, Mr. Jonathan Bernstein. How are you doing, Jonathan? Good. Good to be here. And uh, real quick, just so we don't forget her, who did you write this book with? Well, my, my book wife in this fake book marriage was Laurie Majewski. So that's what you call your book wife? <laughs> From now on, I will, yeah. Do you, uh, I actually have a concert wife. It's, a, it's a, <laughs> my friend Suzanne who goes to all the concerts that my wife does not want to go to, which is all the concerts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, she's the best kind of book wife because she's in New York. So, you know, we, oh, you're, she's New York, you're L.A. Yeah. So, you know, when, whenever, whenever the strain sets in, it's just like, the Skype's not working. <laughs> Uh, and you have uh, this is cool too. The foreword of the book is written by Nick Rhodes from Duran Duran. It's true. Mm-hmm. And the afterword is written by Moby. That's true. These are both close personal friends of Laurie Majewski. I have no personal friends in that world. <laughs> <laughs> How did well, you and Laurie meet? Um, longish story. Um, I was a musician, songwriter who always wanted to be a rock journalist. And uh, when I finally got that chance, it was uh, "Be Careful What You Wish For" up in Spin Magazine oh. in kind of the grunge obsessed nineties. So, like, you know, the corridors were filled with people whispering about, oh, I think the Evan Dando cover's really coming together. Or, right. like, you know, what, what's, what's happening with Slint? Or, you know, right. the names are really going to kill it. And there was this little girl intern there around that same time and who, who was, like, you know, notorious for being psychotically obsessed with Duran Duran to the point that, you know, when she couldn't think of anything to say, she was just like, I love Duran Duran. And obviously, <laughs> obviously, I mocked her for it. And she came back with just, you know, what do you know? You love Mud Honey and all these groups. And I was like, don't judge me by the company I keep. You know, my favorite album ever is Lexicon of Love. By oh, ABC. my God, totally. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'd actually just written a book. It was a very cheap, shoddy tie-in to a British TV show that John Taylor's then wife, the lovely Amanda Ducadene, presented. And so she, like, levitated off the ground. She was so impressed by that. So, you know, we, fo- we formed, like, a, we formed like a, a kind of reluctant fellowship just because, you know, of the place we were in at that time. Right. And then she went on to be, like, a huge magazine editor within two minutes. And after that, I was like, please give me stories. Right. But, you know, we've been friends since then, and this book came out of that. Oh, that cool. is excellent. Yeah. Well, before we get headlong into this, uh, Kyle is here as producer. Uh, Kyle is off mic today, though, because we gave his mic to Jonathan. So I'm going <laughs> to pull my mic out. We're just going to let Kyle has a few things he wants to do here. Hold on a second. Uh, this is a call that we have uh, from Jeff from San Jose. Guys, it's Jeff in San Jose. Just got done watching the At Midnight featuring April Richardson. Uh, I should say the lovely talented April. Yes, you should. <laughs> to put a face to the voice after all this time. Uh, calling in with a laundry list, a couple things. So buckle in. Uh, this is going to take a second. All right, calm down. Just listening to the latest <laughs> podcast um, and hearing Pat talk about the Paul Stanley book. I think it would be a smashing idea if every week uh, Pat would read an excerpt from the Paul Stanley book <laughs> as Paul Stanley. All right. Just a thought. Uh, David Lee Roth, if you guys don't know, there is an amazing David Lee Roth app on uh, the iTunes app store. 
with all his best screams and howls um, as like a music bed. So if you don't have that, highly recommend it. Um, I wanted to put in a vote for continuing to do years podcast. This guy has a long uh, yeah. stuff. Seven, seven, stuff. Seven, I don't You're not the boss of us. Yeah. Unless it's in the can waiting to go. Uh, but I thought that was really good. Um, Let's wrap it up, Jay. And I just wanted to say uh, it's nice to hear Kyle kind of coming into his own. That's why you wanted to play this phone call. A little more personality into the show. I like it. Keep it up there, Kyle. <laughs> and last thing is oh uh, Pat Francis. Go fuck yourself. All right. Oh. Good. Well, thank you. That's, uh, that's yeah, I like Jay. that guy. Yeah, yeah all high, right. Guy has high a lot energy. Of, yeah, high energy. And it's I funny. Like it. Strong it's, opinions. I like it, it. It's funny that he said Kyle was coming into his own because this week I got uh, I got uh, someone hit the donation button and uh, donated a, a few bucks to support the podcast. His name's uh, Brian Berkey, and Brian had a message. He said, "Please stop letting Kyle uh, what? pick those awful, awful playout songs." No. And then he said, "Otherwise, I love rock solid." P.S. Go fuck yourself. No. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, Jonathan, that's a that's a thing that we I, I ask people to do, and they, they were they were a little bit too willing to uh, yeah. <laughs> to do it. But uh, you know that's that's where we're at right now. So okay, we are into the show now. Uh, this guy mentioned Paul Stanley and David Lee Roth, and we aren't even going to play music that's even close to any of that. Crap. Yeah, he's going to have to wait. Yeah, he's going to have to wait for a while for that. But uh, Jonathan is here. Jonathan, uh, I ask you to send me uh, your little personal bio, and you're originally from Glasgow. I am. I'm carrying carrying the torch for Scotland here. And are you a U.S. citizen now? I'm a green carded citizen. Okay, great, fantastic. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> That's can't, why can't we want to know. That's right. No, not yet. We're trying, but we we're not yet. This book's pretty good. This this is going to get you a, a couple more years here mm-hmm. in the states. <laughs> I hope so. Get an extension. Uh, in your late teens, you were in some bands. I was in a band. I was in the famous Scottish band April Showers. We made one one single. Apparently, there's a thriving new wave scene in the Philippines mm-hmm. even now. Because you remember Ricky Gervais was in a, a new Shona wave Shona Dancing. Yes, yeah. yes he, was. he was in a new wave duo, and his thing was, you know, complete failure. Who were apart from the Philippines. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, so apparently we, we had we had one one song which reached 144 in the British charts, still known in the Philippines. I, I don't I don't know exactly what Philippines currency is, but for many years I would get like you know two cents from the Philippines. <laughs> right. From that one song. Oh, that's amazing. Royalty checks. Be- because you wrote you co-wrote the song. Yeah, yeah. And um, you also told me that you you had co-written a song for Debbie Harry. Yeah, yeah. I, um, after the after the April Shower ship went down, um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I tried to be a professional songwriter for a few hitless years, and I love I love the whole brill building aspect of that. You know, mm-hmm. Pepsi and Shirley needed B side in ten minutes, right? And you know, <laughs> it, it was like that. But we had very few songs actually covered. But um, this Debbie Harry song, and this was after I'd moved to America. Yeah. I got a call from my, my former writing partner, Anne Dudley, who arranged all the strings on Alex Kind of Love. And she said, well, you know, we're do- I'm doing one of our songs with Debbie Harris. She wants to change her lyrics. Do you mind? No, I don't mind. Because you know, I'd, <laughs> right. I'd written the melody and some of the arrangement right. and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, her album, Deaf, Dumb and Blonde, came out like 18 months later. And this song called Strike Me Pink, which wasn't, which wasn't a title I'd written. You know, my title was like, you know, My Foot Hurts or something. But, you know, this, this song had, you know, had, had, me as a, had me as a co-writer with Debbie Harry, so, you know, I, I, can, I, can, I can hang on to that. Okay, well, let's, you know what? I actually have the song, so let's hear a little bit of Strike Me Pink.
has a little bit of a, like a, a Brian Ferry type feel to it a little bit. Do you think so? I don't know. I'm just thinking of the 10 sinks that are going to come in from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what else, uh, what else can you tell us about you? Uh, you uh, a little bit of screenwriting. Uh, I, I, I moved I, I move to LA to get into the screenwriting racket. Um, I had a, f- had a few classics produced. Um, I did a Lindsay Lohan film called Just My Luck. That was just... And, I, I, and actually... It, I think she went on to live like a real life version of that because she was she was a star of that, and Chris Pine was the unknown guy in mm-hmm. that. And the oh film, yeah, totally. And the film yeah. was the film was about you know the luckiest guy in the world, the the unluckiest guy in the world kisses the luckiest girl in the world, and the luck changed places. And that's what happened in real life because Chris Pine went on to be Captain Kirk that's and funny. Jack Ryan. Totally. And Lindsay went on to be Lindsay on own. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so it was like a real you wrote a real thing that happened. Yeah, that was you what, predicted that, the that future. Was, that, that was my plan. Yeah. So. That was a huge hit. Um, I did a little film called little, little kiddie film called Max Keeble's Big Move, which came out uh, the week the planes hit the towers. Uh-huh. <laughs> so everyone was everyone was everyone was in the mood for a family comedy. I did, um, <laughs> I did a Jackie Chan film called The Spy Next Door, which ended his American career. <laughs> and um, I, I managed. I bought my house off the proceeds of the first ever Larry the Cable Guy feature. Well, this is this is this is all. I mean, look, this That's is like amazing. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't worked since. By the way, I'd like to. I always wanted to write a book. So at the end of the show if we could kiss then maybe yeah. i could write a book and then you can start hosting a, a podcast but um i don't know what will happen is that kyle will have a tower block after that <laughs> uh jonathan this is amazing this is you've done so many things and you 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 make it sound Ironic, like that, ironically this is probably the most successful thing not this podcast the book is the most successful thing I've been oh come book. on also the podcast uh, uh, not, not after today <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, when we this is uh, this book is uh, I love uh, many many of the bands in this book. Uh, April, this book's right up. Your, this is my thing. Well, now I feel thing, totally. He emailed me. Yeah, he emailed me months ago. Like, hey, I I what's your address? I'm going to send you this book. And then I did forget. Like four months later, I got right. it at yeah, work, yeah. and I was like, oh my god, somebody. And then I and you were the somebody. So yes, thank yeah. you. And this is totally my. This is. My jam, 100%. Yep. Also, when you mentioned that your favorite album of all time is Alexicon of Love, I mean, oh my God. I yeah. love ABC. I went with my best friend Chip to Sheffield. We flew there a couple of years ago to see the final show of that tour, which was ABC, Human League, and Heaven 17 in Sheffield. Like, we were like, we got to go in the hometown, like, final show of the tour. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it was the Steel City Tour. It was the Steel City Tour. This might kind of blow your mind too, or you won't. We got the tickets because one of my good friends is Paul Heaton, and so of the beautiful South. of the beautiful South and the House Martins, and yeah. they were it was the same promoter. So I called Paul to be like, "Can you like hook it up?" And he got us tickets, like the best tickets in where all their families were sitting. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny because during Human League, these two kids in front of us were singing, and I mean kids like ten year olds were singing every word. Wow. And so we're like, "You guys weren't even bo- close to being born when these songs were out." So we're like looking at each other like, what's going on? And we asked, there was an adult next to him. Yeah. We're like, how did they know all the words of the songs? And they were like, oh, whoever the dark haired girl in Human League, that was her son. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Is that, and they're that like singing cool. along to every word of mom's songs. Yeah, it was so great. So who was on that bill? Human, Human League? Human League, Heaven 17, and... Um, and ABC. Everyone, it's, it's three of those. Yeah, bands, yeah, yeah. All those bands are in this so book. It was so rad. And we saw ABC other places. Like we saw, I saw him at the Canyon mm-hmm. Club like a couple months ago, yeah. and then we saw him at the House of Blues. I've seen him like four times now. How's Martin Fry looking? He looks good. He I think he looks good. Yeah. And the, here's the thing about ABC. I and I also like punk and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. But 
they like he was like a punk. Like that's well, what that's was so kind of, rad that, about Martin Fry. Well, that's kind of the point in the book, and some is one of the many, the many themes, the many important themes, is that I mean, this music is pretty much made by British punks who turn themselves into pop stars like, yeah. on their own terms, and that's what we're kind of a universe away from now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because there are no pop bands anymore. No. Right. Well, I think for me, like I was super. I got punk. Like they're kind of opposites, but the same. I think in the way that punk is you know it was diy i want to do it myself i can do this whatever mm-hmm. and i feel like people like abc and two i like them more than like spandau ballet and stuff but the same kind of thing where you know growing up in sheffield that's like the detroit of england like there's nothing yeah, yeah. going on it's grim <laughs> it's industrial and it yeah. was like them making their own glamour yeah it was like i i'm gonna make this look cool and yeah, that's, yeah, that's his, why his, i like the yeah, abc so yeah, much because yeah, his deal was you know because they were they were in like a grinding indie band at first and his thing was, yeah, their vision was, you know, I want to be in a band that's like, like cool in the gang and also like Diamond Dogs. Right, right. Well, that's, I don't know if you want to play, I picked, my favorite song off of Lexicon of Love is Tears Are Not Enough, which is like, and also you're talking about disco too. I mean, it's yeah. like total Nile Rodgers, like. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, let's go into that just, just before you play this. Um, I mean, because the big thing is in the UK, disco didn't suck. You know, the. the there was a really hot 18 month period between 76 and 78 where you got the best British punk and the best American disco. And that's so evident in like all the groups that came after that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Know, who, who, loved the, who loved the Sex Pistols and the Clash, but also loved, you know, Shame by Evelyn Champagne King, loved I Want Your Love by Chic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, fact, the two hottest records of 77 were probably God Save the Queen and I Feel Love. Mm-hmm. And you can totally hear that in like most of the stuff we're writing about in this book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially. Like he even in the part where you interview Martin Fry, where he's talking about like pig bag and like all of those like yeah. punk, it's all like white kids doing funk, yeah. but then it's punk somehow. Yeah, I love all that stuff. Love it. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit of uh, ABC, and then uh, and then we'll play. Uh, and then I have a song. It's I think it's more of a poor man's ABC, but we'll play it next. <laughs> That is very funky. It's super funky. I also love horn sections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I love across the board. So love that about it. And you're, the Lex kind of love from start to finish. It's perfect. There's not one song I ever skip no. on it. It's really? like such not, a good not, record. Not even Forever Together? No, I really don't. <laughs> like, I just think from start to finish, I'm super into it. We need yeah. to do a show called Let's Get Horny. Oh my where, God, where, I to- where I bands that usually don't use it. horns bust it out. I love it. And I love saxophones. Weird. That's a thing in all genres. I'm like, more saxophones, please. I know that's weird, ah, but I'm into it. You're taking the anti-Courtney love. Yeah. Oh my God, I read that and I was like, yeah. another reason to hate her. I don't like her anyway. <laughs> well, after hearing that, and I said, I, I said I wanted to play a band that was uh, felt like a poor man's ABC. I don't feel like they sound like ABC at all now after hearing that. I've never heard that song before. Oh, Tears and Unup. Oh, no. I think you might even like the Lex Connell Love. Well, I you do, I like, do like a lot of ABC songs. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, let's play, let's hear a little Spandau Ballet, and this is gold. Oh my God, that's oh, what no. I picked too. Oh, you did? Yes, totally. These are my salad days, slowly being eaten away. Just another play for today. Oh, but I'm proud of you, but I'm proud of you. Nothing left to make me feel. 
I, I always sing that at karaoke, by the way. You, always. April was busting out some moves. It's so triumphant. Yeah. But you're, <laughs> you're actually correct. That that song is very much a Pro-Man's ABC. Yeah. yeah. But that's not what they were like when they started. Because, you know, and it's ironic that Duran Duran, you know, gained, gained a lot of American success. Mm-hmm. Because when, you know, cause they were very much seen as like, you know, the toilet paper that was stuck to Spandau Ballet's shoes. Wow, that's amazing. At one point. Because, you, know, you know, they were the first new romantic band. And they, they had the whole... They had the whole kind of very inclusive thing, like you're not cool enough, not not even to come to our shows, but to buy our records. Yeah, because as far as U.S. success goes in this book, Duran Duran is definitely number one. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And I mean, then probably do. in excess, right? Yeah. And then, uh, as and far as chart success, far, I would think far, so. Yeah, as far yeah. as chart well, success well, in no, the actually, USA, actually, no. I, as far as chart success goes, Tears for Fears are probably the most successful. Oh, that's true. Songs of the Big Chair, so it was like it was sold a shitload of records, yeah. and that was that was the blockbuster and new wave album. And you uh, now the book's called Mad World, and that Tears for Fears song, Mad it, World, it was, was it was very down the list of choices. Uh-huh. Because the first choice was obviously Don't You Forget About Me. Oh, right. Nine, 19 books with that title. Right. <laughs> so many of them. Then Don't You Want Me was a few with that title. Uh-huh. So we're just like coming down the list. And then Duran Duran have a song called Careless Memories, which could not be a better title. Marketing, we're like, no one knows it. Right. That's a right. great song. That's a jam. They played that. They still play that live. And that rocks yeah, so yeah. hard live. And, you know, we've done some book signings. And, mm-hmm. you know, I look, I look around at my book wife and, and every book she's like, enjoy these careless memories. Oh, <laughs> but ultimately, we, you know, we went, we went with Mad World. Yeah, Mad World's a pretty cool title. And it's, uh, it's not uh, a Tears for Fear song that's, that's, you know, widely as known. As well known, no. yeah. Isn't it? No, not here. Not, not here. as much as um, no. sowing the seeds. Is it one of, of your favorite? Now, the, the song titles are these. Your uh, the song titles that you picked in here. The songs you picked are these. The, the, the idea was, you know, to tell tell the story of the group or the artist through their mm-hmm. breakthrough songs. Okay, cool. So that's, that that was mostly a couple of times the artists had their particular choices, but mm-hmm. more or less, you know, we just wrote down a list and and went with it, and people were happy to talk. Well, since I talked about it, let's just hear a little bit of Tears for Fears, Mad World. Did, um, do you have a fit now? Do you have a favorite of the bands that's in here? If you have is, is one of these, like your top, um, boy, that's tough. Uh, it, well, we said ABC were my, made my favorite album, mm-hmm. um, Lexicon of Love. Like, thank mm. you, <laughs> lest you forget. Mm. Um, Dexter's Midnight Runners are probably my favorite group. Wow, see, that's and that's funny because I recently finished, um, Rip It Up and Start Again, and I didn't know that they were on two tone, I didn't know they started they off, they weren't on two tone, didn't they? No, no. Or they didn't put out. They were signed to Two Tone and like didn't put out an album or something. Uh, we're gonna no. have a fight, a music yeah, fight no, right here. I swear it says that in that book that that's how that they started off. Or maybe like I said, on the, they, 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 tour, they were on a Two Tone tour. Okay. And the first single, first single was an Oddball Recordings, which which was like an, an EMI indie, but they never put out a record in Two Tone. Okay, maybe they were just signed and like didn't put out a record. <laughs> Wait a minute, but... I, that, that really, running back home. <laughs> no, one. hey, you could you could be right. I trust I mean, you're you not, more. You're, you're not right. I'm going to say you could be right. Right, right. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> no, maybe you are. But I didn't know because you know we just know them as like come on, Eileen. Well, yeah. Right, right. I mean, overalls. I mean, that's the, right. The, the analogy, the, the analogy I make for for America is like 
like Kiss had one hit single in Britain in the mid eighties. They had Crazy Nights and yeah. in, in their pale faced period. Uh-huh. And so, if you were a teenager growing up in Britain, you knew Kiss as this kind of hideous looking middle aged rock band who weren't particularly <laughs> sounds great about right. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's story. <laughs> who weren't like particularly great showmen right. or anything. And kind of that's analogous to Dexys here, who are known for that one song. Mm-hmm. But they've had like many incarnations. You know, they were they were they were like talking about horn section. They had like a crazy horn section. They started off. There were this like. They're this like Stax band, Stax review type band, and the, the first song, uh, Dance Dance, was this like list of great Irish authors. Yeah, well, that's what's funny. Like bands that like, like even the Ramones, like they were like huge in like Brazil and South yeah. America and stuff. Right. Yeah. And here they were, you know, popular, but not like they, not like they were, not like there. when you, they go there and yeah. can't leave their hotel. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I know it's really funny because like here, Dexy's Midnight Ru- Runners is. Literally a one-hit wonder yeah. category. And they're like a joke. Like a, like a, yeah. like a wedding band, yeah. yeah. And they're painfully aware of it. Yeah. Oh. But I think, I, think part, I think part of the reason, and you might want to talk about this further, is, you know, is the accidental nature of MTV. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this, this sort of stuff wasn't what MTV was built to play. No. You know, MTV was, based, was built on, like, you know, a top 40 format. Right, and they rushed onto air before they realized, you know, there's just not enough Journey in Chicago videos to fill to fill exactly to fill it out. So they had to reach over to Europe, where you know there was all this stuff. Yeah, and every every single band in this book really came into my uh, world via MTV. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, totally. I, I would have never seen you know Heaven Seventeen or Soft Cell or mm-hmm. Kim right. Wilde if it wasn't for for MTV. No, and I totally because in their. Adam and the Ants, like Adam Ant, when I saw the Prince Charming video when I was a kid, yeah. it was a little bit like when I first saw Boy George too, where I was like, this guy's so pretty. Well, Boy George, I straight up thought was right. a girl, yeah, like a hundred percent, but with Adam Ant, I was like, what a pretty guy. And yet there was a little bit of like, too, you, I, when I saw Adam Ant, I felt a little dirty. I'm like, yeah. there's something a little, oh, oh, something totally. a little dirty about this guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because America hadn't grown up with glam rock particularly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because, you know, Adam Ant, you can say, is a direct descendant of like, you know, the unmentionable Gary Glitter. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Slade and Sweet mm-hmm. and Wizard and Susie Quattro. Cause so, so, you know, we had, we had like five years of that. And of course, like, you know, everything comes from Bowie. Right. I mean, you could say right. that. Everything comes totally. from Bowie. That, I mean, the, the, point, the point that we've pounded over the head in interviews is that Bowie was kind of the Beatles of the 80s. Yeah. And it's kind of true to the point that um, he did, Bowie did Starman and Top of the Pops in 1972. And pretty much the next day, hardened soccer hooligans were coming in with nail polish. It just kind of changed, <laughs> right. kind of changed people overnight. And so you can kind of see that the people who were who were like little kids watching that when they started forming bands, you know, that's what was, that's what they're going to do. That's true. And yeah. do, do you have an Adam Ant yeah, song I, for us? Yeah, because I totally want to play Prince Charming because it's like one of my favorite songs of all yeah. time. I also can't believe. Speaking of like, we mainly know Goody Two Shoes, right? And the fact that it charted so high in England always blew my mind because it's such a weird song, like as far as structure. Well, and yeah. Well, the other thing, not to interrupt. The, the, no, the other, totally. The other thing is, I mean. A big part, another another of the many themes yeah. of, of the book is that the eighties was all about blowing up the formula. And you know, I mean, Adam and the Ants before before they became Prince Charming, Kings of the Well Frontier. Adam and the Ants were this this like fairly average punk band with mm-hmm. kind of an S and M leaning and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when they transformed themselves into a pop band, they did it making music that was weirder. Yeah, than, you know, then they than, did. Well, did, weren't they originally? Because I'm super into the monochrome set and like half the monochrome He's set. Frank. Yeah, they they weren't they called the B sides or something like they were part of his band before he he made Adam and the Ants. I think like Lester Square and another guy from the monochrome set were in his band. Am I wrong again? I think, I think Am I reading right. fake books? <laughs> What's going on? I think you're wrong. Um, I think that a couple of the dudes you could, were... You could, you could be right. You're, you're going to out-nerd me in this, I think. No. 
because you might go, you might go before me. I mean, I know the I know the guys who were who were stolen to be in Bow Wow Wow. But right. There, there may have, oh yeah, there were a couple of guys that were in Bow Wow Wow too. All the, the whole the whole group was was stolen by Malcolm McLaren to make Bow Wow Wow. You know, uh-huh. Adam, Adam was left on his own to you know to go run into Marco Peroni. And all, all he had, you know, was a, was a, a lovely description in the book of those two guys sitting in a flat in Earl's Court, facing each other with like a tape recorder, and Adam going, drums, I hear drums. And, you know, Marco's sitting there with a the guitar trying to make sense of what Adam, this crazy sound Adam has in his head. Right. And like I say, it's so much less commercial than the music he was making already. Yeah. Right. But his idea, you know, but the idea was, okay, we're going to get two drummers playing this African drumming. We're going to put spaghetti Western guitar on top of that. Right. You know, I'm going to sing about my affinity to the Native Americans. <laughs> totally. And that's going to get me on top of the pops and then playing the Royal Variety performance in front of the Queen in a year's time. <laughs> so, oh, I'm sorry, what song did oh, you Oh, yeah, I was going to play, play Prince Charming. And uh, since ridicule is nothing to be scared of, by the way. I want like on my tombstone. Yeah, that's pretty, it's like a that's, line that's that a great I live line. by. Uh, and since uh, since we just talked about Bow Wow Wow, and I, and I pulled up uh, the obvious choice, uh, let's hear a little bit of uh, "I Want Candy." Okay, I was only sort of wrong, by the way. Oh, she's looking it up. Look at her. Because Adam, Adam Ant was in the monochrome set. The monochrome set was formed in 1978 from the remnants of a college group called the B-Sides, whose members first included Adam Ant. So he... <laughs> I think he's... So he That's was in good. the monochrome set, and then he was like, later, guys, I'm going to be Adam Ant. You guys do your thing. <laughs> I, said, I, said I knew I knew how to read. I said, yeah. I said you're going to new wave out and nerd me. Now, uh, you had a thing in your hand. Was that a, is that a mini computer that you brought with you? What is that called? You guys look. What is that? I know it's 1982 right now in this room, but in the future we will have these. Oh my goodness! These phones. That's a phone. Yeah. Well, there's no wire connected to no, it. I know, but like Very soon strange. you'll be able to look up facts about obscure bands on them. And uh, you have to see April's uh, iPhone cover. It uh, makes it look uh, the back of the phone looks like a, a cassette. See, I live it. I Very live nice. it, guys. <laughs> So, <laughs> so bow wow wow. Annabella was 13. Yeah, yeah. She was whipped out of a, a, laund- a laundromat in London. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. creepy. That's like Kim Fowler stuff. It was, yeah. it was totally creepy, and it was sold in a creepy way as well. I mean, this, yes. you know, this is this is one of the signs of what a different era it was. Uh, this book, <laughs> this book is filled with uh, with colorful pictures. Is, they they weren't you, cheap either. Now I was going to say, when you put a book together like this, th- this has got to cost a lot of money oh, to get the God. photo we ne- rights. We never, we never considered it going in, and had we considered it, I would have just like taken a crayon and just said. This is Adam and the Axe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just draw like a stick. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the pictures are amazing in here. And you have, uh, 
you have recent interviews with all these people too. Was it uh, was it easy to get yeah, access? Yeah, that's what to I want to know. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's funny. Um, people you think the people you think might have been difficult weren't weren't that difficult. Okay. I have to bring up ABC. Again. And was it vice versa? Also, the people that you thought yes. would be easy were yeah, really yeah. difficult. Yeah. Can yeah. you tell us who was really difficult? Yes, definitely tell us who was a dick. <laughs> yeah, it's not not that they're a dick. They're just hard to Not get to. Not they're a dick, but, but just, just being who they are and mm-hmm. the amount of effort I put into Bananarama. <laughs> 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 who, are not, who are not in the book and may never may not even be in, in mythical volume 7 and it's, I'm not even putting this on Bananarama okay. himself but Bananarama's person has a, maybe he's making his job very very important yeah. maybe it is being in, being in charge of Bananarama is very important but the amount of blockades he put in my way first of all he didn't reply to like four emails and uh. then when he did it was like send me a sample of this book and then it was you know I turned down so much more for Bananarama than I say yes to and then it was like email me some questions what? Wow. and you know I, what you know what the problem with a person like that is I be, and I'm pointing at you Jonathan <laughs> I'm giving you pointing now is uh, <laughs> Bananarama probably doesn't even know I'm sure that, I'm sure they that their know. guy is you I know totally agree putting up the, the yeah. blockade yeah they're probably like yeah we'd love to they probably see this book and go why were why we are in we? this book totally i bet you're right yeah so that's no, i totally think so and then there then there, one and one of my favorite chapters in the book is the kajagoogoo one kajagoogoo one hit but and you know i wasn't particularly looking forward to it but uh lamal singer from kajagoogoo mm-hmm. gave a very funny very candid interview and he took and his person took a bunch of uh, emails to convince as well and i think that Lamal's manager was actually Lamal. I think he was pretending to be his manager. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Him being like, yes, this is his assistant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then, yeah, because, yeah. you know, we had like a phone snafu originally. I was supposed to phone at one time and I got the time wrong or something. And I got an email saying, Lamal's waiting, blah, blah, blah. And he gave me a different number and, you know, I dialed this number and, hello, it's Lamal. Oh, so, that's you know, funny. He's sitting, by, totally him. sitting by the phone in his hut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's with, hilarious. But that was, a, that was a great interview. I'll, I'll, I just have to say that. Was it, uh, was it mostly done by phone or did you meet some of these there's people cu- in person? There's a couple of people in person. Mm-hmm. Um, Laurie interviewed Adamant in person. He was, nice. in, he was in full regalia. I, oh. saw, I, I have to say, I saw uh, my concert wife wanted to go see Adamant. This was just like a year and a half ago. And I, she goes, do you want to go see Adamant? I go, I don't, he's not really on my radar. I just, right. like, and she's like, I'll, I'll, I'll buy the tickets. I'm like, okay, I'll go with you. Yeah. And phenomenal. Was it rad? It was, it was yeah. rad. I mean, he's got all these young guns in the band now. Sure. And he, uh, and he, um, he has a high waisted belt. That's what, <laughs> did he, he still dress like gay military he, he style? He did. He yeah. did. Yes, he did. And, uh, but he had like a high waisted like belt to keep it. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, the belly in, Aww. but uh, but he sounded good and he put on a show and he wasn't he, Man, he wasn't t- ten years of hits. I know, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I I was surprised. I'm like, oh, I know that one. Oh, I know this one. Totally. I don't know this one, but I like this one. So yeah. it was yeah. a really good show. So, uh, but, I'm sorry, you were saying you interviewed Adamant in person. Uh, yeah, had... yeah, Laurie interviewed Adamant in person. Like I say, okay. full full regalia, makeup, yeah. hat, bandana, and everything. Um, Did he think this was going to be a videotaped uh, interview? Maybe Did I he think I don't know what this is for a book, Adam. We're not. There's no camera totally. crew here. He's like, no, I just wear this around the house. Yeah, this is yeah. it. No, you know, greater scientists than me haven't worked out what Adam Nance thinking. So I, I have no idea what, what he thought. But you know, again, very good, very very kind of scattered, but very interesting mm-hmm. interview. Um, Does I'm, he live in the states? He is in London, I think. Okay. <laughs> now you're asking me that. I know, I'm asking What's his home address? Yes. Is he his it's own 12- manager? Yeah, it's, tw- yeah. <laughs> it's 12 Prince Charming Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> um, who, who else? Most, like I say, most of them by phone. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy McCluskey from OMD, um, I did here. At the, at the, you know, the hotel in the, the Magic Palace. Yeah, yeah. 
Or the Magic Castle? Magic Castle, yes. sorry, yeah, that was that was face-to-face, but most of them were, were by phone, which is what I prefer, because I, I'm, a, I'm horrible with the personal interaction. <laughs> now, OMD, uh, that's another band here in the States. They're, they're kind of a one-hit. Yeah, to me, they it was are. pretty much like... They had a few hits here, though. Wasn't Dreaming a hit as well? I feel like Enola Gay is like their only... Enola Gay wasn't a hit. <laughs> no. Uh, but, are you guys going to fight again? It seems like you're going to fight I feel like that again. was their only hit here. Uh, Remember, if, you well, if, you if you leave. If you leave. If you leave was the hit. And then yeah. there's a few... There's a few after that, I think. But, I mean, we're ta- in the book we talk about, they had two very distinct phases. Mm-hmm. Because, in the, you know, in the UK, they were signed to Factory. They had the great electricity single. And then, you know, there are a bunch of really kind of weird, dense albums where they, you know, there were songs about like telegraphs and typewriters mm-hmm. and things and, and obviously about the Enola Gay itself. And then, you know, they had their John Hughes hits and that gave right. them, and that get, like so many bands, it, g- it gave them this American audience who had no idea who they really were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually have a playlist in my iTunes library that's called John Hughes because oh, it, and it's all these bands because so he totally those on his soundtrack. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's weird because he really was. It's kind of the gift and the curse. Yeah, that, exactly. You know, he, he opened he opened you up to this new audience, but it was an audience that only knew that one song. Right, and you know they went to your shows and they were like, "What?" They're just they're just waiting for this one song they didn't, right. they didn't like because all these things, psychedelic first had like you know five six years behind them mm-hmm. before before they did a hit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you know, bands like Simple Minds and OMD. Yeah, well, I think just, I think, Sim- think Simple Minds weathered that storm. They did because they had alive, alive and kicking. Kick kick yeah. Plus, they'd really taken on that stadium and, sound by that time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, what do, what do you want to? Do you have a song you want to play? You oh, wanna... I'm sorry. I thought you were going to play OMD or something. Uh, well, I thought okay. you were trying to lead to that. I was t- kind of leading oh. to that. And I, mean, I, I, like, can, I mean, I can do whatever. I can so, do whatever so you need me to do. So smooth. I know. <laughs> this is how it is. It's just it's it's, it's free and easy. Play OMD because I, I do love this song. I still love that song. It's a great song. Yeah, 80s yeah. drumming in there. Totally. <laughs> the big 80s drumming. And you know, they, you know they wrote it in like a night. That's all the could, best songs are written totally. that, that way. Right, yeah. that, this, that wasn't the song that they wrote for Pretty in Pink. They wrote a completely different song and then because, you know, they changed the ending in Pretty in Pink. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously John Cryer and Molly Ringwald didn't get together right. because the audience didn't like it. So it's like, your song didn't fit. We need another song for yeah. the new ending. So they bashed that out in one night. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, it's always like when the record company says, yeah, I don't hear a single, we need something. And they go, okay, here, we wrote this, and the next fu- blows yeah, up. Yeah, and it's like the hugest thing ever. I know, it's totally. crazy. So um, what, uh, were other bands other than Bananarama that didn't make it in here? Oh, like, what about a band like Dream Academy? Um, that's funny, we've been, talk- we've been talking about them for the, mm-hmm. the, the mythical volume two. Okay. Should it happen? But I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny seeing reviews saying, you know, well, the omission of Culture Club. Yeah, obviously, obviously, had we had we been able to get Culture Club, they would have been in it. Right, but, yes, of course. No one I mean, from Culture Club There was a chat. There, cha- there was a chance of Culture Club and Eurythmics, but it came too close to deadline to read. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, Eurythmics. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, so anything anything you see missing from this book, it's not because, you know, we were totally, oh, right, we right, right. forgot. You know, there was a bunch of things we would like that didn't happen. And some, you know, some of them were 
some of them were light in terms of time. We just didn't have time to wait for Culture Club. Right. And, you know, again, for the mythical book two, we hope we'll get there. And there's things like Frankie Goes to Hollywood we would have liked and didn't get. And then there was weird people that didn't get back to me, like M of pop music. That was a volley of emails because, you know, M, maybe he hasn't looked at his website in right. 25 years. It's very, right. it's very possible. <laughs> but we never, never heard back from him. Guys like Nick Kershaw, we never heard back from um, Pet Shop Boys are like my favorite group. Oh my God, they didn't get back to you guys. They don't think themselves an eighties group, and I, I, I think I they probably don't. I think they because they're still going. So still I, don't, going, I, don't, yeah. I don't think I don't think they see. I mean, again, it was totally it was a management shutdown. But you know, I knew it was a long shot. What about right. like a, a Wang Chung or something like that? Uh, again, they're on the list, but for the, they were well, they were priority. Well, you know what's <laughs> good. You know what's good is sometimes when uh, books similar to this come out, it's loaded up with all the. Every, all the number one people. And right. so then a volume two is like, you're like, oh, this is like the B team. Right. But from what you're saying, if you do a volume two, oh you, you've named tons There's of big like, bands. Well, look, yeah. look, if, if we do, if, and I'd say there was a 98% chance we will do it. Yeah. If, if, if it was volume two, then yes, Culture Club, Eurythmics, The Cure, Blondie, Cars, oh, Cure. B-50 Suits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, I, you know, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Dead or Alive, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot of stuff in it. But there will be, you know, there will be the one hits, there will be the Dream Academies. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I could see the Pet Shop Boys being like, "Hey, buddy, like we're still because they're still selling, you know, they right. have yeah, and they still, yeah, they've no, never they, ha- really had a slump, no. so I could no, see it's, them. It's true. I mean, they've had, they've had a million hits. They're still yeah. going. They didn't play Coachella. They played one big, one of the big festivals this year. I don't know. I just remember they played. I didn't get to go because I was out of town. But they played some big venue here. It like sold yeah. out a huge venue. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you know, like I said, I would have liked it, but I wasn't really surprised when they said no. The two that hurt the most for me personally were Squiddy Politi and Japan. Mm-hmm. Who, who are, you know, I love Scritti Politi. And, and I know, I know Green takes like eight years over every project. Yeah, right. I was about to so, say. So, you know, I know he's not that busy. <laughs> and he was, it, was, it was just communicated to me that, you know, it was, he didn't want to do it. Well, and same, same with David Sylvian from Japan, just didn't want to do it. Also, having product out like this book uh, will open a lot of doors next time. You know what I mean? I hope so. So. You know, yeah, that's able, what I would think. They would yeah. see it and go, oh, this yeah. is a legit thing. Yeah, I totally so want to be when a When someone like Bananarama's person goes, well, send me some <laughs> questions. You go, you know what? I'll send you volume one, <laughs> jerk. Yeah. yeah, totally. Take that. Uh, what do you want? Do you have uh, another band you'd like um, to jump into? Yes. I want to jump into all of them. But <laughs> we haven't really talked about American ones yet, so I do want to play uh, Devo. I picked oh, Girl You Want because that's my favorite song on Freedom of Choice. Cool. But yeah. D- I was obsessed with Devo in high school. Like, I went through a phase where I was, like, super into Devo, like, trying to wear, like, Devo hats to school. I was into them. Devo's got so many... I think, again, I think a lot of people just think Devo and they think, like... They think Whip It, Whip that's it, it. Yeah, or working in a coal mine, maybe. Yeah. But they have, you know, freedom of choice and... Yeah, uh, Ton, tons of great stuff. Can I say one thing about Devo? Please. You can. You can say as many things yeah. about Devo as you want. Uh, Gerald Casale from Devo hated the book. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, he gave, gave us a very good. Him and Mark Mothersbaugh gave me very, very good, very candid interviews. Uh-huh. Yeah, and there was just the and you can see for, you can see there are some there are some chapters where I'm uh, where I'm possibly you know a bit a bit more sarcastic than others. You know, some there are some chapters where I'm fairly obvious about you know. Some I like, some I don't. No, you, you I know because I can't wait I know, to get to I your know, Smith I chapter. Get, you're gonna give me shit for it. I know, but with the Devo thing, you know. We were very respectful in the introduction. We said that they, we said that you know they could have been Kiss's evil twin had it all worked out. We were both because you know in both in both in every chapter we also give our own kind of commentaries as well. Right. So we were both super respectful. And there, there was just one bit at the end where you know we have this kind of that was then this is now section yeah. talk about where they're doing now. Yeah. And obviously Mark Mothersbaugh is like super successful as yeah. a soundtrack guy. Yes. 
And so we're, we're just talk, we're talking about that, about where Devo are now to both of them. And Gerald Casale's thing was, you know, it's frustrating to me because Devo could be a theme park. It could be a show on Broadway. It could be a movie. It could be a multimedia thing. He's right. He's, he's totally right. Totally right. And then when I talked to Mark Mothersbaugh about that, he's like, you know, if, you know, if I actually saw something solid, but I actually saw like a script for a movie or a Broadway mm-hmm. show, then perhaps. And so I, I just juxtaposed the two quotes like any writer would be. Yeah. Right. And then, because we had a, we had a, a books, we had a book event at Book Soup a couple of weeks ago. So we wrote to a few people in LA to say, you know, would you like to come? Like, you know, Annabella was from Bow Wow Wow was there. Oh, right. And we wrote to Gerald Casale and he, he was just like, you know, this is just rubbing salt in the wound, the way you've presented me in this book. And honestly, you know, I, underst- I do understand. And you talked to him in person. Did he tell you this in person? No, it, just no. Came, it came as an email. Okay. Not to me either. It saved right. to Laurie. So, okay. so she really bore the brunt of it. She um. never even talked to him. Uh, but, but, you know, he, 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 didn't, he didn't like the way he was portrayed. And again, I can understand it, but, it, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't particularly meant to be disrespectful. It was just showing two, two opposing right. views of where they are. And it's not like you misquote. Yeah. It's like he said and, those words. Yeah, and yeah. The, the guys in Devo seem like really intelligent guys. I would, yeah, I would really. assume they would understand why you would format it like that and do it like that. It just yeah. makes sense to me. Um, before, uh, before you, I, I, I love this, what you do at the end of uh, every one of these chapters when you do the mixtape. When right, because so, there, mm-hmm. there are so many songs that we couldn't go in. Right, exactly. And so, yeah, like at the end of the Devo one, you have uh, you have songs by uh, XTC and B fifty twos and mm-hmm. and Sparks and Cramps and Talking Heads. Yeah, I just that's that's really that's really. I bet there's someone that's going to pick this up and go. I'm going to make all these mixtapes. Yeah, I, I hope, probably will. Yeah. Probably you. <laughs> I hope it's too much trouble for me. So, what do you you want to play? Girl, you want? Yeah, love it. I love that. I love beautiful world. Totally. I love freedom of choice. Yeah. Uh, just you know, that's yeah. good. Um, so we, uh, so many people were interviewed in the book, uh, Jonathan. Were there any anyone that you interviewed, and then then you just couldn't use it? There was a, there was a couple uh, for space because we had to, we were like thirteen thousand words over, which is unbelievably painful. We had to cut out. You know, one of my favorite ever albums is A Secret Wish by Propaganda. Couldn't use that. But there was a couple that just didn't work out. One was, do you remember Money by the Flying Lizards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, the, 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 posh, the posh lady from, from that song is easily, easily available online. You know, she still does voiceover work. So, you know, you know, got in touch with her. She was happy to do it. She's exactly like she was in the record. Oh, oh. She talks like that? Couldn't, could, it was like <laughs> I was asking you about a holiday you took when you were, a vacation you took when you were three I remember nothing. Right. Totally remember nothing. But the the one the one interview so, the one interview that really it, it, I actually like liked to have used just for the embarrassment and the awkwardness mm-hmm. was Tony Basil, and it's, and this this ties in with the great Gerald Casale again because I knew that he knew he knew her and and when we were getting on well I just wrote to him said you know Tony Basil can you she know, seems can you? to take herself very seriously oh my god so he he 
he got in, he got in touch with her for me, which makes me feel even worse. I hates the book. Right. And so she wrote to me and said, yeah, I'd like to do it. And she gave me these very complicated steps to get in touch with her. Oh, my God. Which was call me at this time on this number. There'll be a message. Wait seven seconds or something. What is she a spy? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like and, it's like Nicholas Cage's National Treasure yeah, films right. yeah, just to so, get her on the line. Totally. So, I, so I waited. I waited that amount of time and. There was nothing, so oh my god, I'm not an improv guy. I, you know, so I just like kept talking, and just suddenly the phone snatched up. Who is this? And I'm like, well, we've got an interview arranged. For I don't know anything about that. So, uh, so you're, like, you're the one who sent me these weird directions. Yeah. So call my agent, Lamal. Yeah. So, <laughs> so straight, straight away, straight away, you know, I can, I can tell, I can tell this isn't, this isn't going to go that smoothly. Wow. But you know. I did it. I paid her the respect. You should have asked her if Mickey was there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, might, I might as well have done. <laughs> so I, pay, I paid her the respect of like, because I, I knew that most people who talked to her talked to her as a one hit wonder. Right. So I wanted to pay her the respect of like, letting her know, look, I know a bit about you. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, I knew that she'd, she'd been on, she'd worked on uh, the monkey's film Head. So obviously, you know, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, that was, you know, to tie in with our, with our theme of blowing up the formula. That, you know, that was a real example of an artist just like flying in the face of what made them famous. How dare you speak for them? Yeah, I mean, she's... You can't, you can't presume to know what's in an artist's head. I was like, oh, she's furious I brought this up. What? And then she'd like, she choreographed the Diamond Dogs tour, David Bowie's Diamond Dogs tour oh, in 73. Yeah, and, so and, the, like, and the Glass Spiders tour too. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, so you choreographed, I co-directed it. <laughs> so what, every what single, does she want to talk every about? Every single thing. And then, you know, when I was moving on to the LA scene, the LA New Eve scene, what about the lockers? What about my, my, my groundbreaking dance group, the lockers? And I, like I say, I was paying respect to going through all these things she'd done, yeah. and she was focusing on the one thing that I, <laughs> I wasn't, that didn't that I wasn't bringing up at that point, and I would have mentioned. But anyway, she was furious about that. Did she know you were not doing a Tony Basil biography? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but every single every single thing, and then then there was you know the famous urban myth that you know Mickey Mickey's written as like a, a rebuke from a girl to her gay boyfriend. You know, so I brought that up. She blew a fucking gasket. Oh, my God. As if, as if I was the first person to ever bring that up. Right. I've talked to other people and said, yeah, that's in every interview. How dare you call yourself a journalist? I find this I line of questioning oh reprehensible. I really don't understand. So were you supposed to call her up and go, what would you have for breakfast? Like, what are you supposed to ask her if none of this is At any time did she say, can I take a break? I need to feed my 22 cats. Yeah, every, <laughs> literally every single thing. And the thing, the thing I thought Crazy she might... Crazy lady. The thing yeah. I thought she might have taken offense at in that she was 40 when Mickey was number one, which I thought was amazing. At, and, you know, at that time, you know, to be, to be that age yeah. and have that... that and to be dressed like a cheerleader. To be a cheerleader. So and I was, still in high school. And that, yeah. you know, and that, she was like, yeah, whatever. That she didn't care about. That's wow. so weird. So but, how, I don't understand, though. How did that, like... Well, it ended badly. Right. <laughs> but I mean, on the phone, were you just like, okay, thank you. Like, knowing the whole time, like, obviously, I'm not using any of this. Like, this can't go I, anywhere. I, no, I thought, I thought it would be funny. I thought it would be funny and awkward in, in print. And it, 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 it is sort of. But, you know, when we're putting the book together, I was just like... This is probably a better anecdote than it is like a chapter. Right, right. Yeah. That's so, I don't understand. Well, I think maybe she's like legit nuts. Yeah. And not just being a jerk. But I know. Yeah, look, I it, is, it is possibly me. You know, I possibly came off like an asshole, but I didn't. Is the thing. Right, right. You, you I, seem like a real You're a real jerk, jerk buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, Jonathan. <laughs> Respect, you know what? Turn his re- mic off. Get yeah. out of here, Jonathan. In this respect, when I started the interview, uh, I mentioned the B side of, the, of a single she'd made when she was 16. Because so, you're you trying know, to let her know, hey, yeah, I know I, a lot right, about yeah, you. Yeah, if right. anything, that should be flattering. Right. Yeah, to- totally wasn't. But, you know, again, 
you know, she's 70, whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. Just like crazy old lady style. No, that's nutty. Because I, yeah, it's like, you're trying to demonstrate, look, I'm not just going to ask you about Mickey, like everyone else you yeah. talk to. Like I actually did research and know you're, that's weird. Uh, that's weird. Yeah. I don't like it. It bums me out when people are jerks <laughs> and they don't deserve to be jerks. I mean, no one should be a jerk, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I know. That, all but, people. But I have to say, oh, there's, there's like 36 chapters in this book yeah. you know we interviewed a bunch of people and it, you know of that average you know a lot more people could have been assholes than actually were mm-hmm. right i mean that was the one legit bad experience yeah i mean even the woman from the flying lizards was like you know kind of dotty and everything but yeah know, but that she, checks out given what yeah, that song sounds like yeah she just didn't remember anything you know she literally had it was literally just like you know a thing she did when she was 17 that she had no memory whatsoever of right but i work in textile you know i mean you know, there was just there was no point in talking to her any, anymore because she didn't remember anything but it wasn't a bad experience well let me i can't remember was it you did you get to hang out with new order uh no neat no uh, laurie did both of those oh laurie okay let me ask you this and how did you guys divide because if i'm writing a book with somebody i'm like let me tell you this here's the list of people i get to hang out with it sounds like laurie got to pick and then the she... new orders at the top yeah exactly how did you guys divide who gets to hang out with who or who gets to interview who um it was weird. we're different kinds of fans i mean i think she's a lot more like like your kind of fan well, you were probably assuming it was like, I get to do ABC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there was things I like, but, you know, she's like super passionate about the stuff she likes. I'm a different kind of fan. I'm like, you know, make it, make a good record, write a good song, go in an interesting direction. I don't have to go and see every show. Right. You know, I don't have to go backstage. I don't ever have to meet you. So she had people she was desperate to, to meet and talk to. Sure. So like, like New Order, obviously one, Duran Duran, obviously. Yeah. In Excess, obviously. There were, you know, I was like fine with that. I mean, the, you know, the In Excess song that's in the book you know i'd never actually heard until i looked through the book I was like, right maybe, maybe i should hear this right well if you want to play an excess i brought what you need from listen like thieves well i listen i love listen like thieves and kick the most those two even though they're like later listen like thieves is like 85 well if you like those you should go to your computer and try and find never tear us apart the in excess story that appeared the miniseries that appeared on australian tv this year Oh, and that's uh, that's year, with actors. Really? That's with actors playing the yeah, band members. Yeah, it's yeah. hilarious. We got to see. Oh, it's yeah, hilarious! It's, it's, re- it's really funny. Adamant's in it as well. well wait, got a guy, hilarious a guy on play- purpose no, or no, oh, okay? No, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, how but, is know, it a comedy? But there's a guy. There's a guy playing Adamant because you know apparently an you know, excess toured and support with them. Yeah, and, right. You know, the the storyline was like within seconds they'd completely taken over the tour and and usurped his groupiedom and stuff. Right. So oh, there is no. there is just some some like half-assed Australian actor going, who hey, might? Oh, I'll totally. <laughs> Well, I'll find so, that. I'll pirate that. I will that. check that out. Uh, well, let's just uh, let's play uh, let's play April's in excess song, and then and then let's play mine. We'll do a double shot. Totally, I, I love, love it. both of these songs. I also picked a song from Listen Like Thieves. Yeah. I picked this time. Nice. I've seen you before Turn and walk away You say you won't come back It's just a game in a way We are hoping Yes, and we're praying Yes. 
poor Michael Hutchins, man. I know, right? Rock in peace. <laughs> I mean, I just, uh, that's what we say here. When someone's <laughs> passed, totally, I that's say. That's my favorite. <laughs> Make God rock. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, he was so great. And they'd, they would still be going strong if he was here, right? I, I totally think they would. I totally and think so. And he'd be like, you'd be like, look how good he looks. He's, look how good he still looks. I totally. know. I'd be like, uh, speaking of how good they look, this, this goddamn John Taylor. <laughs> Duran Duran. I got to say, it's funny because in the chapter in the Smiths, you're like not a fan. For some reason, Duran Duran, ne- I was never on board. I don't, I don't hate them or anything like right, that. Right, it's right. just a thing that like yeah, yeah. passed me by. I don't know why them in particular. Well, it's, it's different from the Smiths, definitely. Well, I mean, in the way that, but at the time, I was so, I was into Wham, I was into culture, uh-huh. I was into everything else but them for some reason. It took, it took me a while as well. Like I, like I say, I mean, in the UK, they seem like you know the joke band. The joke kind of mm-hmm. also runs. Because you know, post Spandau Ballet, there was a bunch of a bunch of bands in headbands and white shirts. Remember Classics Nouveau, Blue Zoo, groups like that. A totally, lot of makeup. Yeah, yeah. I totally thought Duran Duran were that kind of band. Yeah. And it, was, it, it took it took, a, it took a little while. It took it took a guest a guest reel. It was like, okay, I mean, they got they've got a whole thing. Right. They've got a look and a sound. They got they bring a whole theme. Yeah, you had to get you had to get past what they look like and, and listen to the music i guess a yeah, I didn't really, I didn't, it was never a thing of what they looked like it just it just seemed like i mean this was a time to go with yet another theme of the book this is the time that you know everybody really wanted to be individual as opposed to now where everybody wants to you know this is the lane we fit in yeah mm-hmm. so it, it took it took them a while to you know to not be spandau valley basically yeah did um so so just I just, I really, I never owned a Duran Duran record. I just didn't, I don't know why I mean, it was. They did feel, they did feel was, like. Was there, a, was there a song that changed it for you? Cause, I mean, for, for, I for liked me, Rio. I saw the videos and stuff. Like, I, I'm too young to have been into this when it was happening. However, I kind of, this girl that I, that babysat for me, for real, I, her, her parents were my friends with my parents. And so, like, I'd go to her house to mm-hmm. get babysat where, like, our parents went and hung out. And her room was wall to wall with all this stuff. Yeah. Culture Club, Wham, Duran Duran, all these people, Spandau Ballet, all these people. And so I heard the records. Mm-hmm. She watched MTV all the time. Like, I was into it even though I was like six. I'm like, I think I'm into this stuff already. But for some reason, them, I don't know why it was. It just never clicked with me even at like a super young age. So when I did start buying records and I was like playing catch up with all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was just a blind spot for me. I just never bought any of their... I mean, I liked whatever I saw on right. MTV in passing, but it didn't make me go, oh, I got to have that record. Yeah. Do you think it was the pinup boy image, maybe, that you just didn't... Well, if you liked Wham, then no. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, because no, I, I liked other like pretty boys, quote-unquote, or whatever. And gay, then, bo- gay boys. Yeah, well, right, and then also <laughs> thought, Boy George, I was like, I hope I grow up to be that pretty one day uh, with Boy George, but with Well, them, you know what? You're, know. you're much prettier than... I'm boy, almost there. Much, I'm almost there. No, you're much prettier than Boy George is today. <laughs> well, there's, there's a, there's a Oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> Wasn't that like saying? What, <laughs> a, what an amazing compliment! That's a joke. Um, but yeah, I don't know why they were just like my one thing that I never super duper got into. Well, you, think, let's... you think they were too pretentious as a, as a young person? I almost I to I just... that was the thing I kind of liked about them, that, right? And again, that was the Bowie thing, yeah. Of, of you know, of still tr- of trying to be more than you know, of trying of, of trying to be like literate as well. No, I don't know what I feel like. They didn't have as good of songs as everybody else. I guess because at that age, I didn't know enough to yeah. know about the whole image, and I just was like, "Oh, these songs don't resonate as much sure. as I'm gonna, you know, Karma Chameleon." I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get ready, guys! I'm gonna coin a phrase. I'm gonna make a phrase up right now. Do I'm gonna it. call Duran Duran "Cheekbone Rock." I like it. I think call. it's accurate. Let's um. Yeah. Let's hear. Uh, let's hear the song, the Duran Duran song I picked, and then I want you to get into the Smiths because we can't. We can never end without you talking about. Oh, okay. Of the course, Smiths, of course, right? Of course. Yeah. So uh, let's hear a little bit of, uh, is there something I should know? <laughs> Kyle was holding the wrong dial. 
before I start talking about the Smiths, can I play a little bit of the Perfect Kiss? I want to play a little New Order. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just like because it's my favorite New Order song. We're not done yet. I just want to. I just want to make sure that you get your. Oh, your, your, I will. Your fill. Yes, definitely. Alrighty. But yeah, this is New Order. Taxi. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I just wanted to hear a little new order. You just wanted to air hand clap. Dude. Yeah, and if I can say that uh, Peter Hook, ex of New Order currently, uh-huh. was was pictured on stage with his new band, The Light, wearing a Mad World t-shirt last oh, week. That's great. Yeah, 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 I totally saw that. I think that yeah, you yeah. guys posted it on your Instagram sure. or something. Where do, you get yeah. the, where do you get a Mad World t-shirt? Uh, Did he make it himself? No, no. We, we, it was we, puffy painted. Yeah. One of the many things, apart from photographs, that left, left us out of pocket and begging in the streets. Now, we, we made, up, made up t-shirts and... Hopefully they'll be available from our webs from our website sometime soon. Give the website just so so we don't forget to do that it's later on. Madworldbook.com. That's really hard to remember. <laughs> um, Madworldbook.com. I have it tattooed in my inner arm. You better. <laughs> Actually, I do want to know before I get into the Smiths, who was your favorite? Who was a pleasant surprise? A person that you interviewed where you were like didn't know it's going to go so well. Oh, and it Tony was Basil. Oh yeah, <laughs> Tony, yeah, Tony Basil would be number one. Uh, after that, I'm going to say once again, Lamal from Kajagoogoo. I didn't, I didn't imagine it would be like as funny and as candid interview as that. He wasn't shy. He was. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. He, he was not. He was again. It's interesting. Not not that I want to make the big bond between Kajagoogoo and New Order. Right. But another thing where singer and bass player have a huge clash. Mm. Wow. You know, Lamal and the and bass player Nick Beggs been at odds for like fifty years, and and obviously Bernard Sumner and Peter Hooks. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why yeah. there's no. There isn't a, a vintage lineup of New Order working just now. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the singer always wins, right? Because yeah. he's the voice of the band. And you yeah, kind of, not only I mean, that, like, but he, he specific, you know, Peter Hoop charges him with specifically trying to take the bass out of New Order songs. Right. And if you think of New Order, yeah, they have you know, a what, long beat. Right. And, but what do you think of? Do you think of the bass? Yeah, That's but I mean, I saw them live only like a year ago or something. It was still good. I mean, you miss Hooky and everything, but I was like, I was still into it. They are still. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that back catalog is incredible. Oh, my yeah. God. It's, that was, that's another... I mean, I love them and I'm obsessed with them, but it is... You, when I was watching them, I'm like, this is nothing but hits. It was like every yeah. single song, you're like, hit, 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 yeah. hit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So here we go. Okay. Big this ramp up. Now. Okay, let me say before okay. you say it. I'm not... Well, but, no, why don't please, you, no, I'm not like mad at you or no, anything. I, I, no, <laughs> Turn I, off I, all the mics except for April. <laughs> no, go ahead, John. I, I understand. Well, make, make your point that you were taken aback a little bit that... Um, in, in every chapter of the book, to explain again to the listeners, uh, myself and my book wife, Laurie, do, do a little joint commentary, kind of like a Howard mm-hmm. Kulap thing. Yes. Where, you know, we both, we both give our impressions and, you know, she gives, she gives this kind of rhapsodic impression of almost everybody. She loves everybody. She loves the Smiths. So she writes a few paragraphs about the Smiths. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to my commentary, there are three words. And those three words are not a fan. So footnote to that, <laughs> I, which I loved. It made me laugh. It made me laugh. <laughs> so, so footnote to that. Uh, in the 90s, I wrote a short film called Unlovable about a con man who preys on gullible Smiths fans who come to Manchester to, to look at. <laughs> which ar- would totally work. <laughs> to, you know, to, to look, ar- look around all the places from, from Smith's songs. So I know whereof I speak. Mm-hmm. And, the re- and 
Mike Joyce, the most hated Smith, is in that short film. Right. He's in it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm not, I'm not coming for a place where like, uh, it's just that you know, with these, with these, um, these little opinion pieces, I'm either really, really pro or really, really anti. And with Smith, it's like I like some songs. It just felt like a waste of an opinion, right? You know, to to either say, to either try and and go as like hysterical as Laurie did, or just to be. And here's why I don't like. Cause I don't hate them or anything. They're just, you know, they're just a band to me, right? Which I know is kind of heresy to in the world of Smith fans. Well, no, I mean, look. Was that the first chapter you jumped to? I mean, it was. Okay. But interestingly... And then and you this, said, I don't like this book. No, not, I mean, <laughs> no, I love kidding. it. And I'm not a Smith apologist. Like, I'm obsessed with him. Be- believe it. But I I'm know. not like an apologist right. in a way that, like, I totally get why people don't like him. I super get why people don't like Morrissey and all that kind of stuff. But, and that's how you have to be about anything that you're passionate yeah, about. Sure. You also, have to understand... Yeah. But I also, you know. I also feel that kind of saying not a fan is kind of in tune with Morrissey's feeling of, like, how the world treats him anyway. Which is, which is his, his whole thing of feeling undervalued. Well, that's... That's what was interesting, I have to say, about their inclusion in the book, because I feel like Morrissey thought, uh, like, the formation of the Smiths was kind of anti-New Wave. Yeah. I feel like they thought that they were, like, the antithesis of Duran Duran, Spandau Ballet, I think, any of that. Uh, no, I, I absolutely agree with that, and that is the downside of this goddamn New Wave label that we stuck ourselves <laughs> with. <laughs> you know, I mean, I hate it. I wish we could have found some other term. And, cer- and certainly, like, you know, back in the day, it was used in the U.K., um, in like 77, late 77, 78 for DJs and journalists who were like too pussy to use the word punk. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's how it became, like, oh, you know, the Boomtown Rats are my favorite new wave band. And so we, we just got stuck with it. And it's, it is kind of an elastic term that takes in synth pop and alternative and mm-hmm. college rock and ska and industrial and, and whatever. And so, you know, anyone who, and it, was, it was a real embarrassment in some cases to have to write to people and say blah 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 this this book blah 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 history of new wave yeah that's what actually because i was curious in doing that were there bands that would say would say well we don't consider ourselves that or something but, um yeah the first the we actually quote uh, daniel miller who's the boss of mute records yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and who was you know who was the normal of warm leatherette fame mm-hmm. and he was like don't call it new wave and i'm like dude if it was <laughs> right if it was up to me yeah, but that's a little. I mean, I also brought warm leather out if you want to play, but th- that's a bit nitpicky, though. Yeah. I mean, I get that you guys. I mean, I'm sure they had to understand that you you had to have sort of. I mean, if you really went, well, it's yeah. technically also post punk and technically, and yeah. So there's so, like, that's, that's yeah, you're thing. you're casting a large blanket over yeah. a lot of music. You have to do call it something. Yeah, yes. I mean, the, the reason I love the era so much is that it was in permanent fast forward. There was like a new thing every week, True. and that was par- that was partially because of the British music press, because as, as you know. Back in those days, you know, there was enough of an audience to sustain four weekly music papers, mm-hmm. and they needed to have something new every week. I mean, in, in the book, I kind of draw the analogy to Fox News that needs every day to be the worst day in the world. Right. And, you know, British, the NME needed every week to be the best new week the in the world. The big thing, totally. It, you know, which is how there was like a new trend every week, which is how there was stuff like cowpunk. Right, <laughs> and, right. And stuff like that. But, uh, like I say, that, that's why I love this era, that there were so many things. But, unfortunately, we have to... St- Strap this new wave label right. sure. over it, sure. which which isn't appropriate to so much, but it certainly is not appropriate to the Smiths. Right, right. Yeah, that was my only thing. So I, this wasn't really an argument, was it? I think I made no, it. not at all. I would, no, how, totally. How would you, if you had to classify the Smiths as something, what would you call them? I don't really know because to me, I think, and this is even I don't necessarily like this label, but I think they were kind of the beginning of like indie pop. Mm-hmm. I've, I would almost feel, I feel like they were kind of the start of indie or the start of, they even came around, around C86 times. I think, kind I, th- of. I think they, I think they would have hated that 
I think Compar- no, me too. They really hated that comparison probably more than being more than. But I feel like that was kind yeah. of the start of that. Like I feel like they, yeah. But I'm not saying they would be on board with it. But I feel like that's maybe more accurate than new wave. Yeah. No. I, I think I think you're right. I mean, I, I don't think they would see being called a rock band as an insult. Yeah. No, that's no I don't either. No. Especially Johnny Marr. I'm sure he's like, "Yo, dude, we're a rock band." Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I was trying to do. Which I agree with that too. But I feel like. The lyrics and they and they tried to be they were consciously like trying to be more plain mm-hmm. like they were consciously like we don't wear makeup we don't have hairspray in our hair right Morrissey's like I'm wearing yeah, blouses no, it's, it's, from it's, it's interesting I don't know the if you thrift read, shop it's, I don't know if you read the soft cell chapter in the book but what Mark Almond says about what he thought soft cell were mm-hmm. is so close to what what um, Johnny Marr and Morrissey both say about the Smiths right that they totally disassociated themselves with Duran, the Duran Duran li- yeah. real lifestyle. You know, they were the people from the dirty back streets. They were the people who couldn't get into the clubs. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think, yeah, I think that they would say, but you're right. I'm sure they wouldn't embrace the indie thing. But I think that was kind of the start of, like, indie and DIY and, like, we're, quote, unquote, plain dudes doing (laughs) guitar music instead of we're glamorous. It's weird, you know, being from Scotland and, you know, because this is apparently the 35th anniversary of Postcard Records. Yeah. I'm going to bring that that into it as kind of the roots of what the Smiths came from a little bit as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I got to get that book, too. That one that just came out. Yeah, Simply simply Thrills. Yes. Yes. Um, Man, Jonathan knows his shit. Yes. Have you read that book already? No, no. It's it's on it's on the list. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of these. Were you into that stuff? Were you into like postcard? Because that's what I think. Kind of, kind of. In in the in the chap in the Simple Minds chapter, I lay out what it's like to be a Scottish music Mm -hmm. fan, Mm -hmm. which is. You want you want people from your city to be successful, but you don't really. Right. <laughs> you know. You know. I mean. Yeah. You know. There's this. That, there's this thing of like the, the the Scottish phrase. I knew his father, which means like you know he he was shit as well. Yeah. Like no <laughs> so, big deal. Yeah. So that really applied to simple. I didn't, you know for years and years I thought simple minds were complete shit, but that was my you know that was my Glaswegian bias. Their first, their, not the first album, but the two or three albums after that are fantastic records, mm-hmm. which took me until now really to realize. And, you know, and part of the reason I was like, uh, didn't like them was like, you know, the stuff, they were from the south side of Glasgow, yeah. from the cool west, west end of Glasgow, Orange Juice, Aztec Camera, yes. all, all, you know, all yeah. that that's stuff. That's my so, shit too. So, yeah, so yes. obviously, obviously I was drawn. Well, that's drawn one of the great stuff. things about music. It, it never disappears. It's always here. You can discover it. Whenever. Oh, totally. I mean, I'm I'm in a Joe Jackson phase right now. I I, I knew. I love it. That's, that's, yeah. so, that's so weird because we were just talking about you know should stepping out be in volume two. I know. Yeah. See, I was because he because uh, you know he's he's a known curmudgeon, so he probably would not respond. He would not respond to being a book that had new wave in the title no, either. No, because he's done so many things, so many different genres uh, right. in yeah. his career. So, but let's see what do you got? Okay. From? Let's play some. I, I, I brought took a us on a tangent. Songs. Yeah, totally. So my point being is, I feel like the Smiths could technically. I feel like they're maybe the end of new wave they're like the very beginning of the end of new wave that's my personal feeling on it yeah so i think they could technically fall under the umbrella but it's maybe the beginning of the end Okay, let's let's, 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 let's agree. Okay. Maybe we do a thumb wrestle. Figure this out. <laughs> well, <laughs> my, my fake thumb. <laughs> yeah, I brought um, a couple songs, but I guess I'll play Big Mouth Strikes again. That's a that's a rock jam.
You can even hear a little Nile Rodgers in that sure, breakdown sure. riff. Totally. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Totally. Johnny Marr loves that. And in, in the playlist uh, at the end of that chapter, you have bands that covered um, Smith songs. It I, was so difficult to try and find. And try and find. I didn't These know Dream Ac- were... Academy did. Yeah, please, yeah. please, please, oh, let totally. me get what I want. I've yeah. never heard what that. Was it, was yeah. Find that. Um, was Ferris Bueller soundtrack? Yeah, it was some soundtrack. I got it. Was, find it, was, that. it was a John Hughes. Cool. Yeah. So what yeah. else you got? I know you have another one. Oh. Do you have another Smith song? I do. Oh, please, God, no. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it's okay. Moving on. <laughs> okay. No, we don't have to play it. All right. It's then okay. let me, then I want to, then I want to talk, uh, let's, um, one of my favorite chapters in the book was, uh, was the psychedelic furs. Cause I, uh, I really like the psychedelic furs. I want to, what was it like, uh, interviewing? I didn't tell them, oh, you didn't. <laughs> well, get Lori on the phone. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you exactly. I loved him. <laughs> is she a big fan? She loved, she's a big fan of everybody. But, <laughs> is she but, a big fan of yours? Uh, not during this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just going to play uh, with no segue other than I love the psychedelic first. Let's hear a little bit of a heartbreak beat. On a heartbreak beat. Yeah. All night long. And nobody don't dance on the edge of the dark. a little uh, little psychedelic furs. Uh, I want to throw this out there before I forget. You can, um, on Twitter, you can follow uh, at Mad World Book, and you can also follow Jonathan at J.B. Peevish. P-W-E-V-I-S-H. That's right. So uh, head over there to Twitter and follow uh, at Mad World Book and Jonathan at J.B. Peevish. April, is there uh, anyone else you want to jump into? There's so many bands. I mean, so many I mean, bands. so many. Who if, do you have on your list? Um, we, div- we divvied these up. I... Uh, April sent me uh, her list. She goes, I want these bands. And then, then I took the other ones. And the, other, and the ones that were left were, were bands I liked anyway, which so right. it was good. If you, if you want to do a little, I have the original version of Take On Me, the original seven inch like version that's From slightly Aha. different. If you want to play that. Uh, yeah, let, we'll just play that. Just because it's like a little I, different. I hate Aha. You hate Aha. I, so much. So you hate this song. Do you hate this song? I can't I win do. today. Do you, know, do you know their other songs? I barely, I, you know, I only they, know because they, 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 they went on to have a career in Britain. They had like yeah. a bunch more hits. Yeah, they're huge and, in Europe. Yeah, and I, and I barely know them. I barely know them beyond "Take on Me." Their one good song, "Sun Almost Shines" on TV, mm-hmm. you know, later recorded as "Beautiful Day" by U2, and, uh, and one of the worst ever Bond themes, "Living Daylight." Uh, "Living Daylight." I hate Errol. that song too. No, co- no chorus. Okay, no, I can no, play something else. No. I can play no, Depeche no, no, Mode. No, no, no. We're gonna play it. I just wanted to say, for, I just, I have never been on board with this. Right. Th- like I hated that video. Like, it's groundbreaking. Yeah. Hate it. Really? Hate, I hate everything about it. That's incredible. I don't like how they look. I wanna, right. I don't I, like how they look. I wanna, That's like anti-Norwegian. I know. <laughs> Why I wanna, are you a racist? I'm a Norwegist. I just <laughs> want to punch them right in their Why faces. are you anti the that, whitest people that, that, alive? That's so weird because I had real trouble coming up with a commentary for this thing as well. Yeah. And the thing, I, the thing that stuck with, with me was um, Judd Apatow's film, This Is Farty, uh-huh. where you know, Paul, Paul Rudd's you know, record company guy has like a huge... Much like yourself, yeah. a huge, you know, a huge vent against "Take on Me." 
and I was like, what is there to hate? And I'm asking you, what is it to hate? I don't know what it is. It's just like I. But I'm with you. I mean, some things you just. It's like I said. I can't tell you why I didn't like Duran Duran. I just didn't like it. But yeah, like, you didn't hate it though. Yeah, I mean, I guess it wasn't as passionate. I just don't know why. Are. I just don't. I just. But can't I can't. Yeah. Get, but uh, but I but I want to hear a, di- a different version of it for sure. Is it different? Yeah, that version has like more keyboards or something. Ah, uh, this I I I am gonna burn some pages. Oh, let's play. Let's cleanse the palette. Play, hurry, play something else. Yeah, play something. What else. if I play Depeche Mode? Go ahead. Will that make you feel better? Yeah. Play Strange Love. That's me. Started for for me at Depeche Mode. Yeah, yeah. Can I say, in the interest of full transparency, there is a Depeche Mode chapter, but it's not that Depeche Mode. You know, we we kind of fudged it a little bit. We had a very good interview with Vince Clark mm-hmm. about Yaz. Ooh. Yeah, it's like uh, super early yeah, mute records Depeche Mode. Yeah, yeah. And and so you know, part of the interview was just you know tells a bit about Depeche Mode. So you know, we kind of we kind of strung him talking about the early days of Depeche Mode around a chapter that's based on their song New Life. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for Latter days, you know, S and M, drug chugging, Depeche Mode. That's not that's not there. So right. I'm just I'm just being open about that. Yeah, one of the things uh, that I liked uh, in the book is that at the end of it, you included uh, Band Aid. Well, that was kind of the that was kind of the curtain coming down in the era. Uh-huh. We thought. I mean, that was that was kind of the end of the road. That was the end of like the superficiality and, and the fun, if you like, of the of the previous like four or five years. And uh, but it's still like a, it's a really dark. Charity records. It is. It is. I love. I love. I love that song. I love. Do they know it's Christmas? And um, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Mike Siegel and I did a, an episode called Super Groups. Mm. And so uh, Band Aid, they should have been included in there. Totally. That's yeah. a that's a, a a big big super group. Um, did you talk? I, don't, I forget if I if I if I forget what happened. Who did you interview in this? Major. 
Oh yeah, because he wrote it. Yeah, my my countryman. Yes, that's that's right. Uh, from Ultravox. That's right. And uh, how was he to talk to? Uh, great, actually. I mean, he's he's he could be a book by himself, although I hope he isn't. You know, he you know he's been so many. You know, he was in a, the Scottish teeny bop band Slick, who were in the Bass City Rollers days. Mm. And then he was recruited for the Rich Kids, which you know was Glenn Matlock's group after the Sex Pistols. Yeah. And then he was in Thin Lizzy for a little while. And then he was in. He was in Thin Lizzy. I'm a usually Thin Lizzy fan. I just I'm just remembering yeah, that right yeah. now. Yeah. And talking about supergroups, then he was in Visage, the new romantic supergroup with uh, people from Ultrabox and Magazine. Well, now you're just talking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> M- Magazine are fantastic group. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hear. It's it's we're recording this in May, so let's uh, let's get in the holiday it's spirit. All, it's always yeah. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Now that's boy George there, right? That was George, George, George Michael. Michael. Wait, who's this? What does it say? Yes. This is Simon LeBond. And then it's a cross over here. Sting actually sings Bitter Sting. I like that. There's Bono. Yeah, I'm looking at this picture and you like forget who. Yeah. It's like Paul Weller and yeah, you forgot who was all in this. Jody Watley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bob Geldof, of Cool course. the gang. Yeah. Tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. That's uh, yeah. It's like it's, wow. I know. I know. Not, All right. I know it's not We Are the World. No, it is not We Are the World. I actually like this song better than We Are the World. Believe it or not, I really. Uh, it's good. It's doomy. It's, it's not a. It's not a hand on heart song. No, no, not at all. So, Jonathan, uh, yeah, there's a picture of you in the back of the book here. It's circa 1984, and you said. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was that was my headshot from when it, from when I was in the famous band the April Showers. <laughs> very shit. nice, and then uh, Lori's pictures from '87, and she's with, of course, Nick Rhodes because she is a a crazy uh, Duran Duran stalker. So. Uh, I want to tell everyone this book. This is one of those books. If it's uh, you don't put this book on your shelf, you put this in out. your bathroom. Yeah, totally. You're not in your bathroom. It's, John. It's a, it's not, it's, well, it is a good bathroom book. Bathroom. Yes, this, is a, this is a coffee table. This book. is a coffee table book. So you can open it up and look at the pictures of Morrissey as frequently as possible. Exactly. If you if this book was out in anyone's apartment or in their home, you would pick this up and start leaving through oh, it. Completely. And, and then you'd say, "Hey, I got to buy this book because totally. uh, this is really there's tender love and care has been put into this book. You obviously." No music frontwards and backwards and there's so many bands in here that we that we didn't get to because like you said there's how many chapters again there's 36 36 i mean there's there's thompson twins mm-hmm. and emotion modern english i was really psyched actually the waitresses were in there because i think wasn't tomorrow wonderful it's like a really overlooked album because sure, people sure. only know i know what boys like or christmas rapping right and they even and say that in the whole book, album is super good yeah. i have it and it's great and in the book they say that uh, he, he thought those were kind of just novelty songs yeah and, especially and, especially christmas rapping yeah. which again was you know was tossed off in like half an hour right because you know z records were throwing out a christmas album and you know it, 30 years later it never went away it's crazy uh, Gary, we didn't talk about Gary Newman's in the book. True. Uh, Echo and the Bunnymen are in the book. Uh, Human League. Yes. Again, again, we, che- we cheated with that. It's not real. It is Human League. It's an in- it's an interview with the founder member mm-hmm. because you know who went on to who went on to be in Heaven Seventeen. Yeah. And during our lengthy Heaven Seventeen interview, I was like, let's talk about the early days of the Human League. So the Don't You Want Me Human League 
turned us down repeatedly. Right. Oh, that's crazy. But Why? I, I bet they're another band that probably thinks like we're, they didn't want to be, we've had a career past that. Pa- so we don't want to be associated. I don't know. Poss- maybe. Possibly, possibly. But, but also Phil Oakey is, is like a, an island unto himself. Yeah. So, you know, so we, we will go back to them for a mythical book too. So there's a, there's a chance. But once again, in the interest of transparency, if you're looking for Don't You Want Me Human League, mm-hmm. that's not there. But the story of their, of their forming and of the classic introductory yeah. single being boiled is yeah. there. Well, this uh jonathan i appreciate you coming here i appreciate oh, you i appreciate you sending sending us these books i appreciate you bringing books to give away to the listeners yep. how many books did you bring with you i brought three i've signed three you've signed three i have three more for you to sign i'll sign it in a scottish accent <laughs> <laughs> you probably want your book signed. oh yeah of course but, but, you, we, we, but we're not we, giving it away we this won't is give mine. yours away yeah um i actually also have uh one of the bands in the book uh echo and the bunnymen yes and um they I actually say have, that that chapter is comedy gold <laughs> well, that's good because I actually, uh, I actually have. They have a brand new CD out mm-hmm. for in 2014. Mm-hmm. It's called Meteorites, and um, they're on 429 Records now. And Kurt and I always say Kurt's last name wrong. This is terrible. I call him Rachel. <laughs> no, it's uh, <laughs> Kurt Nishimura sent over two copies of Meteorites, so we're also going to give uh, those away. Uh, and um, the day after the show posts, I will tell you how you can win uh, a signed copy of Mad World or a copy of the new Echo and the Bunny Man CD. And uh, anything else you want to tell us? Anything else you want to promote, Jonathan, before we, we, we cut you loose? Uh, MadWorldBook.com. MadWorld in the stores now. JB Peevish and Twitter. That's, that's all you need. All right, great. And April? Where can we find you? Oh, I'm, as always, AP on Twitter, A-P-E-Y, and all my show dates are at aprilrichardson.com. Kyle, since you're off mic, we can find you on Twitter at Funny. Also, you can um, find us at Rock Solid Show or at Pat underscore Francis. Also, head over to www.rocksolidpodcast.com so you can uh, read um, all the blogs of every episode that are written by Andrew Rich, who is just killing it over there. Super funny. And uh, as a playout song, let's play something from the new Echo and the Bunnymen CD. Let's hear Lovers on the Run. Thank you, April. Thank you, Jonathan. And thank you, Kyle. See you guys next time. 